Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyral and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Today's message is Faith, Trusting God Without Losing Your Mind, Part 2. Join in with Pastor Nairo. Coming to First Love Online Church, thank you for logging in. Um, We have a lot to talk about this morning because I'm telling you what, a lot of things are happening in the world right now and the word of God has an answer to everything. So let's just make sure, first of all, there was something that Jesus said to Peter. He said, he said to Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And that ought to be all of our prayer right now is that our faith does not fail. This is not the time to back up in our faith. This is not the time to stop trusting God. No, this is the time to dive in all the more, all the more radically and all the more committed to exactly what God has purposed us to be on this earth. And so despite everything happening in the world, let's just make sure that our faith does not fail. All right. Now, I would like for us to go over a couple things before we get into today's message um, because of the things going on right now in Israel. As you all know, war has broken out in the past week and a lot of things are going down. Um, as we speak, there's attacks on all fronts in Israel at this very moment. And so I want us to, to keep in mind, because a lot of people are saying things online and on social media and so on. Um, there's things being said with respect to uh, people being on one side or people being on another side. You know, one says they're on Israel's side, the other says they're on Palestine's side. This is not the time to create factions. Um, but at, with that in mind, though, we have to understand that even as people create factions in a secular sense, um, we have to look at the Word of God to see where we should stand. As for First Love Fellowship, And according to the scriptures, we stand with Israel because the word of God instructs us to do so. This is a sacred commitment that God has for the nation of Israel. And um, that's that's something that we we really we really have to pay attention to. Um, So so I'm going to go over a couple things in the scriptures concerning Israel. And number one, first of all, is that Israel is significant in the end times. That's why we stand with Israel, because they're significant in the end times. And, hey, Nara, you can stop playing the piano. Thank you. Um, So Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, speaks of 144,000 that God sends to bring the gospel to the world during the tribulation. And that's likely after the rapture of the church. Also, Revelation chapter 15 is filled with references of the fulfillment of of, of Jewish symbolism um, and the fulfillment of that Jewish symbolism. Also, Revelation chapter 14, when literally has the lamb standing on Mount Zion, the actual one. Okay, so in scripture, it says that he makes all things new in the land of Israel with the new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky. And listen, I want us to understand this is not something that's happening in in West Texas. 
Okay, because a lot of people view Christianity as something that's kind of like a, a a Western religion type thing. No, that that no, this is happening in the land of Israel, where Jesus comes down with the the, the New Jerusalem comes down out of the sky. Uh, we we have to remember that all these things that are happening are happening in Israel. One thing after uh, the one after the other. By the way, the prophecies of the Old Testament, um, which they, they they point to the coming Messiah as well as the returning of the Messiah. They, they all of this points to Israel and the people of Israel. The gospel also, keep this in mind, this is why we, I'm still going over why we stand with Israel. The gospel came to the Jew first. We have to remember that Christianity is a Jewish religion. The gospel first came to the Jew. Remember, it says, it says that, you know, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans chapter 116. It says in Jeremiah chapter 2, it says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruit of his harvest, the first fruit of God's harvest. And all who devoured her found themselves guilty and disaster came upon them. This is why we stand with Israel, because God makes particular promises to Israel that we, the church, must be very careful not to try to impede or or get in the way of. Um, it says in the scripture again, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it tells us that the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, meaning that it first goes to the Jew. And then one day Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman and he literally tells her salvation is of the Jews. Friends, I just want you to understand that that when it comes to the Jewish nation, that God has a special place for the Jewish nation, even in these end times. And no, the church is not Israel. The church is not the spiritual Israel. The church is the church and Israel is Israel. Now, let's understand this, too. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 tells us, God tells Abraham, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And he is talking about the nation of Israel. He says, if you are Christ, concerning the church, he says, if you are Christ, then you're you're Abraham's seed. You are grafted in. You are Abraham's seed, and your heirs according to the promises. Finally, Paul speaks of the Israel, the, the Jewish nation, saying they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. So that's what this is all about. See, the reason why we stand with Israel is not because we believe Israel is better than anyone. It breaks my heart to see Jewish babies being killed, but it breaks my heart equally to see Palestinian babies being killed. We don't want the innocent dying in the streets and act as though one life is more important than the other. No, that's not it. But we stand with the Jewish nation only because God makes particular promises to them. And so we see right now in the in the world this clash between the the it, the, the 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 Islamic world and the and the Jewish world, which really in the end becomes more like. If you look at history, it is the Islamic world against everyone. It is the Islamic world against the world. See, while they're fighting in war against the Jews right now, they will not hesitate to come against Christians because that is a current reality. And if you understand organizations that are dedicated to the persecuted church understand this more than anyone, such as Voice of the Martyrs, 
they understand more than anyone that Islamic, uh, uh, the Islamic religion itself seeks dominance over other religions, be it by persuasion or by force. And that's what we're dealing with in the world right now. And the hatred toward the Jews is simply the fact that the Jewish nation sits there in the middle of all of these Islamic nations. Now, I want to go over a couple things about Christianity versus Islam. My first point is that Christianity is a much more ancient religion than Islam. For some reason, people tend to believe that that Islam is an older, more ancient, well-established religion than Christianity, as though, again, Christianity came from Europe or Christi- as if Christianity came from the Republican Party in America or something. I don't know. But for some reason, they think that Christianity just came on a scene and that Islam and Judaism have been there much longer. The truth is Christianity uh, predates Islam, uh, completely predates Islam. We're going to get into that in just a second. But It's a much older religion than Islam because 33 AD is when Jesus died and rose again. Um, So the, the, the first nearly comprehensive list of Bible books existed as early as 170 AD, which means the Bible itself outdates Islam, which really came about at around 610 AD. The first canon was the was compiled in A.D. 170, and it included all the books of the New Testament except Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, and Third John. In A.D. 363, the Council of Laodicea stated that only the Old Testament, along with one book of the Apocrypha and 26 books of the New Testament, that's everything but Revelation, were canonical and to be read in the churches. That is A.D. 363. Then the Council of Hippo in A.D. 393 and the Council of Carthage also affirmed the same 27 books, now including Revelation, as authoritative. That was in A.D. 397. Uh, And then after numerous ecumenical councils, the first Bible was widespread at around 400 A.D. And just to let you know, this was not a gathering of Republican Trump supporters. These were people from all over the known world who came to these councils. These are people who grappled with issues concerning the divinity of Christ and the canon of Scripture and several other issues that they all came together and prayed about and debated and, 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 and joined together so that the church would have her message. And so around 400 A.D., we had our first actual Bible. Now, again, this was not something that was comprised just of Europeans. It wasn't just comprised of the quote-unquote Western world. Christianity is not a religion of the Western world. Do you know why people associate Christianity with the Western world? It's because, you know, the A, the influence of the Roman Empire at the time. The Roman Empire was huge, and it covered the entire area, including much of Europe. Secondly, it was the Hellenistic influence of the day. Greek was the, the, the language of the educated. Greek was the language of people who, who were, were, were knowledgeable. And so when the Bible, the, the, the scriptures, uh, Old and New Testament, when they were read in the Greek language, it was something that could easily spread because of the influence of Alexander the Great. The Greek language was huge and across the board in that part of the world. So, of course, there was a, an influence that was European, but make no mistake, Christianity, some people like to say, and I'm, I, I, I'll tell you it's so not true, they'll say Christianity, Christianity is a white man's religion. No, it's not. It's never been. In fact, Christianity is so old in Africa that it could be considered it's one of its indigenous religions. 
So that is a lie to say that Christianity is just for, for Europeans or white people or Westerners. No way, because Jesus was not European or white or Western. So anyway, Muhammad, his prophetic initiation happened in about 610 AD. He was about 40 years old, which means that, of course, not only Christianity, but the complete Bible. Remember this, the complete Bible outdates Islam. I'm going to read this account to you here concerning Muhammad. It says here, when he was roughly 40 years old, Muhammad began having visions and hearing voices. Searching for clarity, he would sometimes meditate at Mount Hera near Mecca. On one of these occasions, the archangel Gabriel appeared to him and instructed him to recite in the name of your Lord. This was the first of many revelations that became the basis of the Quran, the holy book of Islam. These early revelations pointed to the existence of a single God contradicting the polytheistic beliefs of the pre-Islamic Arabian Peninsula. Now, Muhammad received the revelation of the Quran through the archangel Gabriel, according to this story. Now, while it's easy to say, oh, no, there's no way that could have happened, angels seem to have a free will because they can fall. So what if, and I'm not saying this has happened, but what if the actual archangel Gabriel actually came to the real Muhammad and told him to write these things down, which became the foundation for the Quran? Well, the Bible that predates Muhammad would have told him not to believe an angel that preached another gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Paul did not preach the Quran. And even if the real angel Gabriel came to the real Muhammad, the Bible would testify against his actions. Because he listened to an angel. And Paul said, if we or an angel from heaven... Preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. Which means that if Gabriel really came and said that, then Gabriel would be accursed. And so the entire foundation of Islam relies on this experience of one man in a cave. But the Bible itself testifies. We don't listen to angels when it comes to changing doctrine. No way. So even if the claims of Islam were true, then we should not, Muhammad should not have listened to an angel telling him to adhere to a different gospel. Now, for some people, that's nothing but uh, 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 frustration, almost a, almost a fearful thing to say and, and preach. But it's true. And we have to, as Christians, not be afraid to say what is true. Now, I'm saying this because there's a lot of anger in the world right now. There's a lot of rage and war and, and so on that's happening right now in Israel. And eventually all of that anger and rage and war will be aimed at the church. I promise you. Understand there, there was an attempt just a couple of years ago, if you were, maybe one year ago, if you remember in Israel where someone was trying to push forth legislation, it died. It, the, the legislation died, but someone tried to push forth legislation where 
proselytizing and converting Jews would be illegal. Now, thank God it was shot down. But you can find in the streets of Israel, even to this day, Jewish people who are shouting down Christian evangelists and Christian ministers. See, I want you to understand something. It is not just Islam that has this disdain towards Christians. Jews also, to this day, have a disdain towards Christians. Now, there are some Jews who are Messianic Jews who have turned to Jesus. That's a whole different matter. They're, you know, organizations like Jews for Jesus, which, by the way, comes under immense pressure in Israel right now when it comes to preaching the gospel. They're being told not to do it. But we have to remember that all this anger and rage will eventually be aimed at the church, and that is from both sides. So, see, we're sitting here saying, I'm on this one side, I'm on that one side, when really, neither of those factions are for the church. Neither one of them. That being said, we stand with Israel because of the end time implications of what happens in Israel. God says he's going to bless those that bless them. And so what do we do? We bless them. But listen, with all that's out there, we need to be persuaded of our message in the days ahead. We need to be persuaded that this message is true and that it's real. And the message of Christ is simply this that his pre-existent state was that of divine Godhead. He was not a man who somehow became God, or even he was not a, a man who somehow became possessed by God. Before there was a such thing as a man, he was there, the divine son, having always existed, being begotten of the Father. You know, John makes a statement. He says that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made, which means that the son could not have been a created being. No, he was not created. In the incarnation, the divine son united himself to human nature. When Jesus, when God took upon himself human flesh, he united himself with human nature. This is the hypostatic union. This is the union between these two natures, human and divine. And that's what happened with Jesus, the very logos of God. The divine son in some way, and listen, I can't even begin to tell you how this happened. No one can. And don't believe me if they do try to tell you. But in some way, he assumed upon himself to be united to humanity. And in this, he does not cease to be what he was, which is divine. But he, he, he does become something that we are human he's god with us thus uniting the human and the divine in a way that does not it does not weaken his divinity but at the same time it does not strengthen his humanity nor is his humanity absorbed by his divinity both natures are fully intact united in one person named jesus therefore he is fully divine and fully human the same jesus the son of god became the son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. This is our message. Our message is Jesus, the son of God, that this is the one who walked perfectly in order to die on the cross, died a sinner's death so that you might become righteous before God. Let us never be ashamed of that message, even though, understand, there will be cultural pressure to be ashamed of this message. They'll say things like, this is ridiculous. That story is not even true. I, I, I heard someone say, you know, Jesus, they said, Jesus never even existed. 
And they try to make the point that Jesus never existed. I'm trying to name the other fictional work, though, that um, became as popular as Jesus since he never existed. Like, do any of the Greek gods compare? Do any of the ancient Mesopotamian or Roman gods of their respective pantheons, do they even compare to the impact that Jesus has had on the world? No. No, there's nothing like Jesus. There's no way he didn't exist because there's just too much evidence that shows otherwise. And I wonder, the story of the apostles and the terrible ways in which they died, I find it funny, even in the early church, the, the records of the people who have died, who have given their life for the cause of Christ. Do you mean to tell me that they died for a work of fiction? It's easy to sit in your parents' basement and think that you're woke because you found a few YouTube videos that seem to say other than the gospel. But listen, when you really look at the evidence, you know Jesus not only existed, but he ever lives to make intercession for us, and he loves you. Now, there's going to be pressure, though. I, I saw a, a, a story, not a story, a, a video, actually of a lady who was arguing about the whole Palestinian thing. And the, the reporter was saying, so are you in favor or he's talking to this young lady. Do you support the idea that they were raping women and, and uh, in, as an act of war? And she said, oh, that's, that's just your news source. That never happens. Listen, she says, everything that the, that, that the Hamas does is justified because of what Israel did to them. And the reporter was like, like raping women? That's justified? And the woman just got angry and she said, they're justified. Everything is okay. See, it was as though she was possessed. It was as though you could see her eyes just bugging out and, and you could see her just, just getting so angry at this reporter. And I began to wonder, maybe we're not dealing with rational people anymore. Maybe indeed the, the power of the Holy Spirit Moving through the preaching of God's gospel is what we need more than ever before. Perhaps the gospel of Christ is the answer. Like right now, perhaps so many people are possessed by the enemy that they need that power of God unto salvation in order to save them. Maybe it's not time to argue the details of the war. Maybe now is the time to preach the gospel. You know, it's funny that if you look in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, you have an angel flying through the air preaching the eternal gospel. This is during the tribulation. So that means with all that's going on in the world, God seems to prioritize someone going out there and calling people to repent. See, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be pressure for you to keep your mouth shut concerning the gospel of Christ. There's going to be the pressure where they'll say, even if you question Islam, you're committing a hate crime. I remember this from 9-11. If you question Islam, you're committing a hate crime. If you ask questions, you're committing a hate crime. It's just like saying, are you sure about transgenderism? Is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Can we at least look at it from a scientific perspective or just a rational? No, it's hate. It's hate. Don't even talk about it. It's hate. They don't want to argue because people who are wrong never want to argue. People who are wrong never want to, uh, to discuss things deeper. They just want you to believe it and shut your mouth. And what's amazing is that the most evil people will accuse you, Christian, of doing the very thing that they do. See, they want you to believe certain things by faith that are not true. All right. But indeed, this is where our faith comes in. I, I want us to, to turn to James chapter 1. 
there, there's something important here that I want us to see. I, I want to talk about some of the prerequisites to being able to operate in faith, because so I'm, I'm saying that we have to operate in faith in these times to come. But before we can do that, there's some things that God expects of us. So James chapter one says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to them. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It says here, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Then James chapter four, verse eight says this. We just read James 1, 8. Now we're going to read James 4, 8. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That word double-minded comes from the root word, which is dipsikos, and it means split soul. Double-mindedness. You know, there's, there's further scriptures that speak to this whole idea of being double-minded, but it means split soul. Which means that even with the pressure of the world, it will try to cause your mind to turn away from the hope that we have in the gospel. It'll try to turn your mind away from the, the, the idea that you can adhere to something that is pure and that is true and that is holy. And the world will try to make it look like it's foolishness. The world will try to convince you that this word is not true. They'll try to convince you that, well, the Bible has so many translations, you can't tell which one is right and which one is wrong. If you just take a simple comparison of the Bible and any other book of antiquity, you will see for yourself that there are more reliable copies of the New Testament than any other book that exists. The Bible is the truth. And then, of course, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and they found earlier manuscripts, guess what? They matched up. The Bible we have today is true. The Bible we have today is real. The Bible is indeed the word of God. And when it comes to its own intended purpose, this Bible is inspired by God. Let us never forget that. But they're going to try and tell you the Bible is not true. They're going to try to tell you that Christianity is not true. You know what another lie is that they say? I love this one. They say, Every war that's ever happened in history happened because of religion. That's nonsense. Wars happen because of the darkness of man's hearts. Wars happen because of the darkness of man's hearts and also real estate. Wars are fought over real estate. They're fought over land and possessions. They're fought over money. They're not fought over religion. If wars were only fought over religion, most of the world would be a born-again Christian today. Or a Muslim. But the truth is, most of the world today is atheist. Unless we're going to disregard communist China. You know, they fought wars to establish an atheist nation. So no, not all wars are about religion. They're about greed. They're about real estate. They're about money. But people are going to tell you these things. Now, when they tell you these things, it's an attempt to split your soul. It's an attempt to get you to get to be stuck between two, two different viewpoints. Now, listen, when it comes to a double minded person, it's like a person can be very strong in Christ and very weak at the same time. 
It says here that a, that a waverer will not receive anything from the Lord. Listen, according to James chapter one, not even wisdom. If you are double minded, if you are a waverer and you need even if you need wisdom, you will not even get wisdom from the Lord. We have to be so single minded on what God is saying in his word. We have to dive right in and don't leave until we see the promise that God has made to us come to pass. Jesus says that you believe and do not doubt, but the things that you say will come to pass. He says he says you will have what you say, but you must believe. Jesus said in another place, he says, only believe. Again and again throughout scripture, Jesus is saying, listen, do not doubt. It's like this is one of those things that God does not play with. He does not play with doubt and unbelief. I wonder if it's something that literally offends him that we would dare doubt his goodness. It says, ask in faith, nothing wavering, period. Because if you're double-minded, you're unstable in all of your ways. Imagine being unstable. Maybe you're living a life right now where it seems like nothing is working out right. Like every little detail of your life has a problem. Every little detail, there's an issue somewhere. It could be because you're dealing with double-mindedness. And that double-mindedness is not going to help you in the days ahead. Because the pressure is not going to decrease. The pressure is only going to increase. It's only going to get worse and worse. The Bible says, in the last days, perilous times will come. It says that evil men will become worse and worse. So we're right in the middle of what God says in his word is going to happen. Now listen, it says in the scripture... He says, excuse me, he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. The answer to double-mindedness is to purify one's heart. Because double-mindedness is a sign that your heart needs to be purified. And right now in the body of Christ today, with all that's going on, it is time for us to see to it that our hearts are purified before God. And, And it doesn't matter what your opinion of anything is. Right now, your strongest opinions, your strongest opinions should be about the content of your heart. Your strongest opinions ought to be about the state of your heart, what you are on the inside. That's what your stro- where your strongest opinion should lie. There's going to be controversies that are not going to end all over the world. Never ending controversies that go on constantly. Every single day you're going to open up the, 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 the computer or the television set and you're going to see news that's going to make you have an opinion about something. But I'm letting you know, fellow believer, listen, your strongest opinion ought to be about the state of your own heart. Not the heart of somebody else, not whether or not you like President Biden, not whether or not you agree with President uh, uh, Netanyahu. It shouldn't be about whether or not you agree or disagree with some controversy of our day or the presidential elections. The biggest deal right now, the biggest issue ought to be, Lord, what is the state of my heart? I don't want to be double minded. I want to be single minded on you. It says here, it says, believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Which tells me that belief lives in the heart. See, double-mindedness is a heart issue. But belief lives there. 
The problem is, according to Mark 11, he says, and shall not doubt in his heart. Mark eleven twenty three, Doubt also lives in the heart. Both belief and doubt live there. This is the theater of war for double mindedness. And I'm asking you. Only believe this faith matter is not an optional matter. It says here uh, really quickly. Um, First Kings chapter uh, 18. It says here. It says. First uh, Kings chapter 18 verse 20. Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long, how, how long are you halting between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. I'm asking us the same question today. How, how long will you be stuck between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow, it, follow that. But you know what? The Lord is God. And there's no denying it. We're not talking about Allah. We're not talking about any of the Eastern religions, any of your mixture of New Age philosophies that we see so often permeating into the body of Christ. No. Is the Lord God or not? I want to turn to Joel chapter 3. It says here, and I'm getting ready to close. God says here, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused and come up and come up to the, to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in a sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come tread for the winepress is full. The vats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For until for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision, the sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. Listen, saints, right now there are so many multitudes who are sitting in the valley of decision and you're having to deal with this double-mindedness every single day but faith does not take into account the other opinion faith does not take into the account the other viewpoint faith is so radical that it says there is only one way and that is the way we're going to adhere to and stick to no matter what this is the kind of faith the church must have i don't have a debate with anyone who would deny the christ he is the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but through him and i'm not going to discuss any further See, understand when you have a relationship with God, there is a point where you can go so far in that you actually know him and you can't have that taken away from you. But we are in a day right now. And I'm warning you, church, we're in a day right now where they're going to try to take away your faith. But Jesus told Peter, Satan has desire to sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. I'm asking you, church, don't let your faith fail. Not in this day. Don't let your faith even slow down. In fact, your faith should be a radical one. Your trust in God should be so radical that no one can take it away from you. Do not waver. Do not go backwards. Let us push forward and fight this good fight of faith. And let us not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to say Jesus is Lord because he is Lord. And he loves you. Amen. Maybe today you're one of those people that's been wavering in your faith. Maybe today you're one of those people who you, you've, never, you've never really seen it that way where you have to be so radically committed to something. But let me tell you something. Matters of faith will always outlast matters of career. Matters of faith will always outlast matters of family. Matters of faith will always outlast any matter that's earthly in nature. And we have to remember that there is no single thing more important in our lives in our faith in Jesus Christ, we have to fight the good fight of faith and not let go. I don't care what the world tries to tell you. I don't care if they try to steer your hearts away. Let's stay close to God. Maybe you've never known Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, today is the day for you to repent of your own sin. It's the day to repent of your own wickedness. It's the day for you to go to God and confess all that you've done that would shake its fist in God's face and defy his commandments. If that's you, then it's time to go to a, a, a prayer closet and sit down right, right beside your bedside or wherever you are and pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to, Jesus to take away your sins so that you might be purified and cleansed and washed and made free. Lord, I pray for your church. I ask right now, Lord, that that you make us sober again. That you give us the sobriety, Lord God, that causes us to take intercession and prayer seriously. It seems like the whole world can be at war, but the church still won't pray. Church goers still won't pray. But I pray for that remnant, Lord God, that will, that will join arms together and seek your face. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. Let your kingdom come. Even while the nations rise all around the world, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us the grace to navigate the times that we're in. For you come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. In Jesus' name. Amen. I um, thank you for, for joining me this morning as we dive into the scriptures and, and speak about these matters, these important matters of the faith, even as the world is spinning in circles, we can be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Thank you so much for coming on. If, you, if you're part of First Love Fellowship, thank you, of course. If you're not part of First Love Fellowship, we welcome you and we thank God for you. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing at First Love Fellowship, we have a lot of things that are going forward, especially toward the end of this year. Um, you, can, you can support the work that we do at First Love Fellowship by going to wearefirstlove.com, wearefirstlove.com, and just go to the giving link, and you can, you can give there. And if you're one of those people, thank God for you. You're really helping us to push forward the agenda of the kingdom of God on this earth.
So God bless you. Thank you so much for all that you've been in the body of Christ, all that you've done in God. Listen, let's go forward by faith even stronger, though. Let's go forward even more radically. While all the world is going radical, let we, the church, be all the more radical. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. All right. Okay. We do have restorative discipleship. I want to make a, a quick announcement that restorative discipleship is going to be happening in North Carolina from November 2nd to November the 4th. So if you would like to be a part of restorative discipleship, you have to register and you can do so again by going to wearefirstlove.com and click the restorative discipleship link and all the information you need in order to, to register for restorative discipleship will be there. So again, register for restorative discipleship because I believe lives are going to be changed and revolutionized. So be sure to be there and we will see you then. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Always remember your first love. He